Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter, looking at 1 Samuel chapter 22. Uh, this is a chapter that we've been looking forward to for a little bit. We looked recently at Psalm 57, which uh, touches directly on this episode where David's in the cave. Uh, but <laughs> hardly a, a boring chapter here. We're not just uh, hearing about I don't know what life in the cave was like. No, we, we find out uh, that there's other stuff going on outside the cave. And in particular, we hear about all these priests um, and what happens in the city of Nob. Um, and it's it's brutal. It shows the ruthlessness of Saul um, in this phase of the story, just how we continue to see how even though, yes, Saul started out godly, full of the Spirit, um, since this pivotal moment here, um, he's been acting anything but like the way he was before. Joining us today, we have Pastor Andrew Jago, pastor at Bethany Lutheran Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Good morning, brother. Welcome back. Good morning. It's great to be back. I love listening to that theme music. Boy, that gets me going. <laughs> yeah, I love it too. Uh, I mean, and uh, I don't. I don't know. I think. I think yeah, that that melody is really something with a lot of untapped potential. Uh, I'm waiting for like the jazz piano version. I think there's I think there's something there. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think you just have to hear that trumpet though. That that's a you, you mar- gets me in the mood to march in line and uh, go out there and proclaim the gospel. So, well, you know, I I guess I remember being told that it was originally um, composed as something of a march. It was supposed to be, mm-hmm. I I believe, I was told the graduation song or, or one of the songs that they would be playing um, at Concordia Seminary when the graduates were um, you know marching forward. So I think it is kind of meant as a as a march, um, and, and so I, that kind of is appropriate. Your comment, you kind of marching forward <laughs> with the gospel. I think that's the idea. Yes, yes, it does the trick. And, uh, you know, so speaking of marching forward, we have, uh, mm. yeah, different marching uh, and movement here. We've got David and his men, and there's some communication going back and forth, and there is going to be some marching upon the city of Nob. Yes. Not, not uh, yeah, we're going to hear the, the march of tramping feet. That's another hymn that we have. Yeah. You know, and so what do you, uh, you know, I don't know, when, when you approach psalms like this, like kind of, I don't know, how do you kind of get yourself ready to, to process this? Because, I mean, these are, these are um, I, I mean, you know, especially when they just, they, they use some of these pairs. I mean, it's poetic, but it's poetic mm-hmm. in like the, the sense of lament, both man and woman, child and infant, ox, donkey and sheep. I mean, how do you get yourself ready to, to hear some of these um, brutal things? Well... I, I think of, you know, it's interesting you asked that right off the bat, because one of the thoughts I had was Christmas time. Right yeah. around Christmas time, such a joyful celebration. But a few days into it, you know, in my devotions, I always come up with the, the day of holy innocence. Yeah. The day where we think about Bethlehem and what happened uh, with the children who were killed. Rachel crying for her children. You know, there's in the Bible such uh, heights of joy and such depths of sorrow. It encompasses all of our human experiences here on earth. I think that's intentional. I I think so, too. It's not—and this is something that I I think uh, people miss all the time, that, you know, they Mm -hmm. think, oh, well, the Bible, it's like, you know, just 
pious stories and, you know, like kind of moral lessons and, you know, everything's kind of, you know, nice and ideal or something like this. But mm. uh, I mean, I mean, really, really hardly. <laughs> I mean, ever, it's just, it's just real life. Like if you were just to, you know, portray this in like a movie form, it'd be like rated R. I mean, I mean, yeah. it's just, this is just <laughs> life as it really is. Well, not only that. Okay, so think about David. He is someone who is, uh, well, Samuel says, after God rejects Saul, that God is now going to call someone after his own heart. Now, I can ponder that. I mean, I, if I had time, I'll tell you, that, that would be something where I could, I could make a whole year's worth of Bible studies or sermons just yeah. trying to, I haven't, I haven't quite wrapped my head around that entirely. But I think about that when I think of Jesus as the son of David. Here is someone who is so, I mean, in the Bible, he's portrayed as so fully human. Yeah. You know, his fighting, his wives, his dancing, his, his fierce friendship, his code of honor, and yes, even his sins. His sins are not small. You know, it's, it, they're yeah. they're yeah. big, you know, despite all of all that he has, the adultery of murder. But still, he's a man after God's own heart. I mean, we ponder that. He, he unites the people. He defeats God's enemies. And ultimately, when Solomon takes the throne, there's a Sabbath rest because David has defeated all those enemies. Um, but there's, it's such, these chapters of the Bible are so full of, of things that are just so human uh, that you know, people who are expecting the, the, the quiet contemplation of the divine and the serene, well, this is not the place for that. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's uh, well said. Well, let's, um, you know, on, on that note, like, I, I think that it is a reflection of um, our need for prayer that in the midst of all these mm. things, uh, we, we do see our need. So, brother, would you uh, open us with a prayer? Absolutely. Send your Holy Spirit, Lord, that we can delight in your word today. If we, as we read about courage, tragedy, and, tra and treachery, but also kindness and honor, may we ever give you thanks for the life of your servant, David, and help us to remember that that is the house you chose to bring us our Savior, Jesus Christ. No matter what we go through in our lives, we are always in your everlasting arms because of your love through Christ our Lord. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, let's read through the chapter. Um, before we do, any other thoughts in terms of context? Uh, I mean, 21, we saw that David went to, to Gath, uh, which was interesting, right? He takes a mm -hmm. uh, the the sword of Goliath, you know, of of Gath, and he and he goes there. Um, uh, presumably, to try to blend in, doesn't mm -hmm. blend so well. Uh, mm -hmm. So he has to get get out of there and pretend to be crazy. Um, and so, and then we find him in the cave. Uh, we're also going to have mentioned, like you know, we mentioned Nob and all these different uh, names of people. Um, any anyone in particular we ought to be remembering oh yeah that's who that is or just anything else from the context that's helpful before we read through the chapter well i we'll get to that um i, I now you're making me turn in my notes here a little bit more but, uh, yeah, but, well, but we the, can... the high the high priest whose name i'm going to butcher if i don't get it here in a second ahimelech no yeah yeah, yeah that's um, right oh okay i did it all right very good yeah, yeah. um but the the high priest there and also doeg the yeah. Edomite. He was yeah. there in the shadows, you know, watching 
David and making notes of all the things that were going on when he had visited uh, the high priest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, this is this is going to be an interesting. What to talk about? Who is Doeg, and what you know? He has a particularly interesting title that he's given. So kind of understanding the different you know figures and how they all kind of relate to each other is going to be interesting as we read this through. But uh, yeah, well, let's just go ahead and just dig into the chapter, and we'll turn to some mm. of these specific questions then. So uh, here we have from the top, First Samuel 22 in the ESV. David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him. And he became commander over them. And there were with him about 400 men. And David went from there to Mizpah of Moab. And he said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and my mother stay with you till I know what God will do for me. And he left them with the king of Moab, and they stayed with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. Then the prophet Gad said to David, Do not remain in the stronghold. Depart and go into the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of Hereth. Now Saul heard that David was discovered and the men who were with him. Saul was sitting at Gibeah under the tamarisk tree on the height with his spear in his hand, and all his servants were standing about him. And Saul said to his servants who stood about him, Hear now, people of Benjamin. Will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards? Will he make you all commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds that all of you have conspired against me? No one discloses to me when my son makes a covenant with the son of Jesse. None of you is sorry for me or discloses to me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie and wait as at this day. Then answered Doeg the Edomite, who stood by the servants of Saul. I saw the son of Jesse coming to Nob, to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub. And he inquired of the Lord for him and gave him provisions and gave him the sword of Goliath the Philistine. Then the king sent to summon Ahimelech, the priest, the son of Ahitub, and all his father's house, the priests who were at Nob. And all of them came to the king, and Saul said, Hear now, son of Ahitub. And he answered, Here I am, my lord. And Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me, you and the son of Jesse, in that you have given him bread and a sword and have inquired of God for him, so that he has risen against me to lie in wait as at this day? Then Ahimelech answered the king, And who among all your servants is so faithful as David, who is the king's son-in-law and captain over your bodyguard and honored in your house? Is today the first time that I have inquired of God for him? No. Let not the king impute anything to his servant or to all the house of my father, for your servant has known nothing of all this, much or little. And the king said, You shall surely die, Ahimelech, you and all your father's house. And the king said to the guard who stood about him, Turn and kill the priests of the Lord, because their hand also is with David. And they knew that he fled and did not disclose it to me. But the servants of the king would not put out their hand to strike the priests of the Lord. Then the king said to Doeg, You turn and strike the priests. And Doeg the Edomite turned and struck down the priests. And he killed on that day eighty-five persons who wore the linen ephod. And Nob, the city of the priests, he put to the sword, both man and woman, child and infant, 
ox, donkey, and sheep he put to the sword. But one of the sons of Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub, named Abiathar, escaped and fled after David. And Abiathar told David that Saul had killed the priests of the Lord. And David said to Abiathar, I knew on that day when Doeg the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul, I have occasioned the death of all the persons of your father's house. Stay with me. Do not be afraid. For he who seeks my life seeks your life. With me, you shall be in safe keeping. So, so many things about this chapter. Uh, yes, all the names. <laughs> uh, yesterday, <laughs> we were starting to talk about all the names, and I think I was starting to get my wires crossed with everybody going on here. Uh, he's not the first son of Ahitub that's been mentioned, and, and maybe we'll have to actually talk about that. But, I mean, again, this, this reminds me of uh, 1 Samuel chapter 18, where you're getting to see who's loyal to Saul, and who's loyal to David, and there's this shift going on. Um, and it seems like you got people who are shifting towards David, uh, who are, you know, at the beginning of the chapter, what to talk about this. I mean, this this is, I think, Christological here, uh, where at the beginning it says, everyone who is in distress, everyone who is in debt, everyone who is bitter in soul gathered to him. So you've got the shift towards David. Um and then, on the other hand, you got Doeg, who is just ruthlessly loyal to Saul, and we'll talk about what it means that he's an Edomite. And then you got people caught in the middle, right? Like the, these priests who, I mean, they honestly did not know that there was this beef between Saul and David, and their their collateral damage in the midst of all this. Yeah, and yeah, there's there's so much to unpack here. <laughs> so, I mean, going back to the beginning, uh, you know, David, it, it must have taken an, a, a, some time to go from Gath over to Adulam. You know, that's a lot of speculation as to where that is, but um, I, you know, we think that that's the around in the area where just mentioned the Joshua chapter 15, you know, around yeah. the southern foothills. Uh, and the cave, it's like, a, well, I don't know, people are familiar with Robin Hood. Uh, you know, you got all these this, this band of people who don't fit into society uh, for whatever reason. They're in debt and discontented. It wasn't uncommon to see bands like that in the ancient world. Um, and like I said, for us, probably the, the closest parallel would be like Robin Hood. You mentioned mm -hmm. a Christ connection, and I actually didn't think of that before, but that fits very well with uh, the prophecy of Isaiah of, you know, that uh, the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, and those that are in prison are set free. Uh, you know, Christ reaches out to those uh, all through his ministry, to those that are on the fringes of society, uh, to the tax collectors, to the sinners. He sits down and eats with them. Uh, so, yes, I mean, we, we, we have that a, a little bit. I think we hear echoes of that here in the, in the cave. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I, I, I think so, and, and like, it's really, um, I mean, it's just really intriguing to me, so, yeah, so turning back to the beginning of the chapter, um, mm -hmm. you know, so he go he goes to the cave, and we'll let the talk about in a second also, like, so his brother's and his father's house is, you know, so, so that's to say his, his family from back in Bethlehem mm -hmm. hear about this, right, so not, not entirely successful on the 
on the covert <laughs> objective. Yeah, right. By so like well, so. Yeah, oh, like mom and dad showed up. Okay, you know. Okay, <laughs> um, just can't keep anything from mom and dad, guys. You know. Um, and so any so there's that. But um, but yeah. But then it's just so fascinating. It's just everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him. And like you were saying, I mean, that just that just does. You know, yeah, you, you see that in the ministry of the Lord Jesus. I like the way you put it. You know, the people who are on the fringes of society, right? Mm-hmm. The poor, those who were oppressed, those who were looked down on. Um, you know, and that, that line there, too, everyone who is bitter in soul is just, um, mm. I mean, that's that's just poignant right there. I mean, uh, I wanted to, like, try to look at the at the language here. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not— I mean that that's interesting. I mean it, it's not poor in spirit, um, different words on both counts, but like you just it just kind of feels similar to you know when when the the Lord is speaking like the beatitudes like to this you know mixed bunch of misfits. Hmm. Yeah, the bitter. I mean, the word Mara. You think of the Book of Ruth, and I was thinking of the Book of Ruth because of the next few verses here as well. Um, but yeah, the, there's those. The, the, the bitterness that's there. We're not told. I mean, there's a lot that's left to our imagination, yeah. but I like how in Hebrew narrative with just a very, with just a, a economy of words, just a few words, it paints the picture for you. You know, you, you can see yeah. what these people in the cave. Yeah, no, no, that, that, that's right. I mean, like it's, you, you, you get, you get, you get the idea. It's not just that they, that they came, but well, and it also says, you know, gathered to him, right? Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, I mean, just just uh, that language all by itself um, is potent. Like the idea of how, I mean, I mean, God talks that way that He's going to gather to Himself His people who are scattered, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that that's the way He talks, like in Isaiah, for example, or just that just the idea of, um, well, I mean, even the Lord Jesus, right in the Gospel, will uh, we see how He says, you know, like, oh Jerusalem, how I long to gather you, right? Like a, like a mm-hmm. hen over her chicks. I mean, like, is there's this idea of of compassion, really? I mean, it didn't, it didn't spell out any of this stuff, but um, like, you, you, there, there's this idea that there's this compassion that David has, which really I think light lights up then the Psalms, uh, because when you have David talking about you know have mercy on the poor, or, you know, like have pity on poor me, like he identifies with these people because he's taking them under his wing, and I mean, you see that in a powerful way. Right when when he takes uh, Abiathar into his protection, I mean, just yeah, I mean, this guy who's who's from a place from from a a group a community that's been, that's been uh, all but annihilated. You know, those mm-hmm. are the people who David identifies with. And but lest we forget, he's also the commander. He was made commander over them. So we go from the kindness and t- like a real tender word there to the military word, which. Yeah. You know, he gets serious when it comes down to dealing with the enemies about them. That's well, that's right. So let's let's talk about some of the the military aspects to all this. Then, so you know, we have, uh, you know, so so we know that David's not alone. Um, I mean, like, so th- this goes back to that uh, we read, I think, last time when he's talking to um, Ahimelech, where he he's specifically asking for uh, bread. For his for his men, right? So mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's this there's this idea that okay, like he, he's got people who are loyal to him, and, th- and this kind of spells it out even more. And then it says you know, it was about about four hundred 
uh, men, it says. Um, so so he's he's doing this, this covert movement, but <laughs> like I was saying, his... <laughs> It says, like, all his family pretty much finds out about this. So, I mean, I don't—and then, of course, this is going to lead to more people finding out. So, I mean, like, what what do you make of this, the kind of the military and covert dynamic and how that works out or doesn't work out? You know, I've never been to the Holy Land, so I, I don't know the topography very well. I've read some descriptions where, like, a, where this cave is in the southern foothills, possibly— you know, there, I don't know about 400, but, you know, there are nooks and crannies there. There are places to hide. And in Jesus' day, there were probably bandits and so forth. You know, the one uh, story that Jesus told the parable about the, the road to Jericho that was known, you know, for pe- for the bandits being able to hide and then attack people yeah. from where they were. Um, I mean, and when you think about it, guerrilla warfare, I mean, that goes back to the Maccabees, you know, the, the, the well, that's yeah. later to come and, you know, after David. Yeah. Of its time, but um, so some of the things that are going on now may be precursors to you know how Israelites fight and how they how they deal with their enemies. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he's he's going from there with I don't know the whole band, but he's going to take care of his parents by sending them up in Moab. That's all across the the Dead Sea from where they are. A uh, little bit, so he's traveling around a good piece here, and like you said. They people know about it, obviously, because they're coming out to join him wherever he's going, and they have to eat somehow. You can't march an army without feeding them. So, so this this I think then is is one of the the coolest um, aspects of of how this lines up christologically. Then, right, because David's trying he's going around trying to keep a low profile, right, and, and as he's going around trying to keep a low profile, he goes to places that would have been looked down upon by the mm-hmm. the elites back um you know it, it, like where where Saul was right and, and so mm-hmm. he goes to places like Gath of of the Philistines and he goes to you know Moab right um mm-hmm. you know which yeah so you know you mentioned Ruth okay so there's there's a little connection yeah. there uh, but you know the Moabites generally not favorably looked upon right um you know he's so he's going to all these places um and, and the thing is it's just despite his trying to keep a low profile it's like it, it just doesn't work because because i mean I, th- I think like what we were saying if we were reading this correctly this is a sign of the compassion that he has on these people his compassion is sort of like what lets the secret out right and so mm-hmm. people just they, they come flocking to him and it's just wow what a picture of exactly how it is with the lord jesus he's going around he's telling people hey don't tell anyone no, don't don't tell people about the miracle. Yes, I gave you your sight. Don't say a word, right? But he, it's like he just can't help but help people in compassion, and so the word gets out anyway. I mean, I think that's just one of the coolest connections here that we—I I think it gets overlooked really easily. Indeed. I, I think God had that in mind and probably uh, also had in mind that David didn't hide out for very long in Moab. Uh, yeah. That might have been a place where he could have secreted for a little while, but uh, there's a prophet named Gad uh, who sends David back into the, right back into Judah, right back into where you know the King Saul may may hear of him, and you know God is it's it's a, it's an understanding there that um, this is all in God's design and all in His plan. Well, and we should talk about that here because we have this prophet just kind of come up. Um, it feels like a little bit out of nowhere. I mean, like the, the Psalm, right, 57, um, is, is like a whole meditation on him being in the cave. But he's just not, he's just not in this cave for very long. 
Um, and, and for that matter, we kind of got to step back and ask to what extent, uh, well, what kind of cave are we really talking about? Because of what the prophet says, you're not remaining the stronghold. So a few things about verse five, I think, that are kind of intriguing before we skip on, but it's time for our break. So we'll have to uh, think about that over the break and we'll come back to it. Everybody looking at first Samuel 22 on nice strong word. Be right back. The thing about God is he's winning even when it doesn't look like he's winning, maybe especially when it doesn't look like he's winning. Dr. Michael Ziegler begins a series of messages based on the book of Daniel that tells how God uses history as a vehicle to bring about his eternal kingdom. That's this week on The Lutheran Hour. Sundays at 1230 and 5 p.m. on Worldwide KFUO. Did you know that your individual retirement account may make the best gift to KFUO? The IRS now allows individuals 70 and a half or older to transfer their required minimum distribution directly to charity and avoid paying the associated income tax. These gifts can provide regular long-term resources to KFUO. If you have questions about making an IRA gift to KFUO, call me, Mary, at 314-996-1518. We'll send a representative out to help answer your questions and help you establish a legacy of giving to your favorite radio station, Worldwide KFUO. What can we learn from Christian survivors of Soviet persecution? We'll find out Wednesday on Issues Etc. from Rod Dreher of the American Conservative. We'll also discuss the first presidential debate with Mark Hemingway of Real Clear Investigations and its media coverage of religion with Terry Mattingly of Get Religion. Issues Etc. live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. Welcome back, everybody, to Die Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at 1 Samuel chapter 22. Joined by our guest today, we've got Pastor Andrew Jago, pastor at Bethany Lutheran Church in Alexandria, Virginia. If you've got a question for us and you're listening live, feel free to join the conversation, 1-800-730-2727. Or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. You can also send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org, or you can hop on the live stream, facebook.com slash AJ Espinosa. We've got a couple questions there already talking about uh, Doeg, uh, the Edomite, and like what its position exactly is, what's he doing in no- Nob, right? Um, you know, David mentioned some, uh, like, oh, I knew that Doeg, no, up to no good. So like, what's, you know, it feels, it feels like there's some blanks that need to fill in. Um, and then the other question was uh, about uh, about well, what, kind of the status of the people at Nob, and you know, was that uh, a reflection of the the prophecy against Eli? So, yeah, those are those are some yeah some good questions. But unfortunately, we're still on verse five. <laughs> but, <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get. There. But we'll get. Yeah, no, we'll get there. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, also, don't want to neglect to thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Thank you guys for your support of Thy Strong Word. Their website lhfmissions.org. So, turning back to verse five, 
uh, yeah, so then th this prophet, yeah, just here he is. He shows up. Uh, <laughs> do not remain in the stronghold. Go to go back to Judah. So, I mean, what do you make of this? And and I feel like, I mean, I don't, I mean, I could find something Christological about everything, I guess, but I, I feel sure. like this is too. But like, what, what are your thoughts on this, this kind of sudden prophet here? Well, I wasn't going to make the Christological connection until the end. Just making a note that, hey, here's a prophet here. We yeah. saw prophets a few chapters ago at Ramah where um, we got some, some Holy Spirit prophesying and, and action going on. Um, and that, uh, and, and Saul is again among the prophets. So, um, possibly he's one of those prophets from that school that tags along with David after that. Mm -hmm. Um, we're, we're not told that explicitly, but it is interesting that, you know, running the name through the scriptures and you look at first Chronicles, first Chronicles tells us about the source material. Uh, mm -hmm. Some of the some of the, what was used to you know or probably the way that our scriptures were put together the history is the testimony of the prophets. Uh, so you know how do we know these things about David? First Chronicles twenty nine twenty nine uh, tells us about the chronicles of Samuel the seer, the chronicles of Nathan the prophet, and here's his name again the prophet the chronicles of Gad yep. the seer. So he's mentioned along with Nathan and Samuel who are prophets. Well, Samuel, the last judge as well. Um, but it's interesting that um, in David's house is this prophet, and we'll see other prophets as well. Well, and, and you can um, you can imagine how, you know, if, if this prophet gives him this word of the Lord at this time, um, you, you know, and, and I, mean, I mean, I guess it's, you know, it's unclear. I mean, like you said, like we, we could take this as he's just there, right, you know, like tagging mm -hmm. along with him. Uh, we could take it as he he just he shows up um you know there's there's a couple different ways i mean i i feel like you know i i'm not i'm, I'm not totally totally sure about this but when i look at the word order here it it sort of feels like like we're just kind of switching to him but he was already there like this is not like mm -hmm. he bursts onto the scene which, which i think right. would support this idea that he was just this guy who, yeah, tagged along with David and kept on uh, with him to, to after he, you know, was ruling as king and was, um, you know, speaking to him and advising him in the name of the Lord and the rest of this. Uh, but his message to not remain in the stronghold and to go back to Judah, you know, like what is what is what is the weight of of that here? Oh, I, I honestly, I don't know. I, I I thought that was a little bit like the Apostle Paul. When his journey is, you know, don't go to the north, don't go to the south, but then he gets the Macedonian call. Um, it's just one of those God things where God is, is showing you who, whose story this is, you know, who's in control. Well, yeah, I think, I think so. Like, on, on, on the one hand, it, it just shows how David is really being directed by God, even though—I mean, it's interesting, right, because with the whole thing in Gath, it feels like David's just kind of making this up as he goes along. I mean, it's kind of how it feels like in the last chapter, right? He's just like, ah, let's, let's get out of here, and uh, where, where do they have bread? Well, the priests have bread. David, seriously, <laughs> you're going to take that bread? Well, I don't know where else to get bread, man. And, and so, you know, you could kind of, it kind of feels like he's just, you know, making this up. He's like, okay, I'm going to pretend to be crazy. You know, but— yeah, yeah. right, you, David, you David these... is the trickster. <laughs> David deceiving. I mean, there's that well, humanness about well, him as well. Well, there's that, there's that Jacob-esque— kind yeah, of yeah. Uh, way of yeah, operating, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so it, you kind of see it like that, but here, mm -hmm. uh, to your point, yeah, this is an indication that it's being directed by God. This sort of reminds us of when the Lord Jesus was baptized. It says that the Spirit drove him into the wilderness, ah. right? 
Um, and then I think uh, another point uh, that's significant is, you know, the Lord Jesus is conducting this ministry, um, and then it seems like the Spirit is prompting him to go to Jerusalem, right? And that's, and that's, and that's I think, highlighted most in John, in the Gospel of John, mm-hmm. where the disciples are like, Lord, are you crazy? You're going you're gonna to go to Jerusalem? Don't you know that they all want to kill you there? And I imagine that the, the 400, you know, maybe some of them have uh, names like, you know, John or, uh, or Thomas, <laughs> right? And right. they're saying to him, like, David, seriously, you want to go there to, to Jerusalem? Well, it's not Jerusalem yet. Uh, to Judah, where, where they want to kill you, right? <laughs> um, but he's going to go anyway. And, and uh, I mean, just in the same way that the Lord Jesus is prompted to do this, out of love, despite the risk to himself, it, it seems like that's what's going on with David here. I mean, like, in the same way that, like, you have all these people gathering to him, it's like, uh, j- just the picture of Saul, you know, the way he rules in this next picture. Um, oh, yeah. Like, there, there he is. He just sits around, and he's just it, got his spear, and he's like, who am I going to spear today? None of you guys, you ingrates. I mean, like, that's well, the it, king. It, doesn't that, it, I, to me, that's paranoia, really. Oh, man. Yeah. And to, and that comes out in his repeated phrases. I mean, yeah, first with his, he's there with a spear in his hand. But in yeah. both instances, when he's talking to uh, his advisors and then when he's uh, addressing the priests, he uses the phrase to lie in wait as to this as at this day. I mean, first of all, he's thinking his son Jonathan is conspiring conspiring against him. Use yeah. that, uses that word twice too. Conspired. Um, and nothing could be further than from the truth. And he says the same thing of the priests. And again, nothing could be further from the truth. David was maybe even trying to protect them, giving, giving them some plausible deniability, perhaps, by deceiving them and not saying what, what he was doing and, and why. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. So, and, yeah, and unfortunately it didn't work out that way. But yeah, you, this dark scene painted with Saul by the Taramisk tree and uh, up on the hill, and and it, it probably you could see the shadows under his eyes. You know, him clutching that spear, you know, spittle coming out of his mouth as he's his his eyes you know, bulging a little bit as he's he's paranoid, and he's he's saying all these things to his commanders and then to the priests. Um, there's so much drama in this yeah. chapter. You were really capturing it really well with the cave a moment ago. Man, why hasn't anyone turned this into a television series? I don't know. I'd well, <laughs> well, actually, so so one of our listeners on Facebook was telling me that they did, that um, well, they did, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, no, and apparently, what well, I know. well, I mean, I I didn't know about it until he mentioned it, but I mean, like it apparently was, uh, it was like a, I guess they aired it in uh, like Australia or New Zealand or something, but like oh. they, they, they like canceled it after like two episodes, and I guess the problem. Huh that people had was that they were like, oh, this is like Game of Thrones. Like, this is way too graphic. <laughs> um, and I don't know. Maybe that's legitimate. I haven't I haven't watched it. Couldn't recommend it. But I'm, right. I'm thinking about checking it out just because I feel like, I, feel like I, I don't know, we pastors, like, it's good for us to check this stuff out and see, like, okay, what are, what are people, how are people uh, being exposed to these biblical stories, right? But, I mean, it's supposed right. to be, yeah, like, it's nine episodes based on First Samuel, so... Um, it's like, it's just like on, it's a streaming thing you can get, but, um, yeah, yeah it's be interesting to see that, but I mean, like such a, such a picture, right? Just how, yeah. uh, and, and I think this, and this is interesting. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how, like how much to like press this, but to, to me, this picture of Saul just lines up so well 
with our picture of Herod in, in yeah. the life and times of the Lord Jesus. It, it's just, there's lots of these details. I mean, there he is with his spear, this, you know, he's just like, who am I going to, you know, throw this at today? This kind of like, you know, this crazy, um, you know, uh, foul spirit, or, 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 or maybe perhaps alternatively translated, the spirit of God uh, falling afoul on him. Uh, you know, I mean, so, so, so God is, you know, uh, vexing him and hardening his heart, perhaps like he did with Pharaoh. Um, mm. But but so he's got that going on. He's he's accusing his son, and we, we've already seen he was willing to kill his son. Herod, in fact, did kill his son uh, and sons, and I, I mean, like all kinds of relatives, right? So he he killed whoever was was uh, you know inconvenient, and yeah, some of them survived, but <laughs> they were like the, the <laughs> fortunate few. Um, and then he was at an Edomite. I mean, he like like the the, the Herodian dynasty was not properly like Judean. They they were they were they were Edomites, you know, the the, the clan of of, uh, of of Esau, right? So I mean, mm -hmm. like, and here he is favoring Doag the Edomite. So I don't, I mean, I don't know about what that is, except for maybe just providential typology. But I mean, I feel yeah. like this uh, Saul here has been transformed from the Messiah, you know, as he was, uh, you know, the faithful Messiah as he was earlier to now this picture of the, the false, I mean, really a false Messiah, a false King and the way mm -hmm. that, that Saul, uh, I'm sorry, that, that Herod would be later. Yeah, he was, uh, he, he rallied the people. He did so much good at the beginning and now his soul is just twisted. It's twisted inward, you know, and, and he, where he's, I think that's, the very definition of paranoia and, and fear and anxiety that he has, you know, just wanting to clutch what little yeah. power he has. And, and even though he's been told by Samuel that that's no longer your office, it's been given to another. You know, no, that, that, that's right. And, and uh, so it really, it really is fascinating how th th there is this, this, this tension really in the story, how, and we're going to see it developed even more later, how, on the one hand, it's like he is the anointed king. He is the Messiah. He, I mean, that's what, what he started out as. Um, and he, to some extent, still is that. But on the other hand, he, he really isn't. And he's an imposter and he's a false Messiah. Um, and, and I feel like even then, that kind of tension is there in, in the story of the Lord Jesus, where, I, I mean, on the one hand, he shows submission to, uh, to the Herods, to the the high priest, uh, right, and the, and we we know the high priest. I mean, that was I mean just as uh, false and uh, foreign, really, as the Herodian mm -hmm. dynasty. Um, just this priesthood that was just installed by by the Romans, right? So I mean, like mm -hmm. on, on the one hand, they're they're just false, but on the other hand, the Lord Jesus is unwilling to show disrespect to to these these kings and these high priests for the sake. of of the position that they have in the name of God. So, I mean, like, mm -hmm. there really is, I mean, it, it, there's no just kind of, like, easy just dismissal of Saul uh, here or, or, or later of, uh, of uh, the Herods or uh, the House of Annas. Yeah, which you just touched on is why David won't touch God's anointed. Right. There's, there's still something about, you know, God in the office, uh, if not the person. So... Unfortunately, but man, you contrast the treachery of Doeg and the paranoia of Saul with the honesty, the integrity, and uh, the courage of Ahimelech in this scene. Uh, well, really quite the contrast. 
or like what you said, and I think, and I don't think I really uh, had really appreciated this. I, I really like the way you're putting it. Um, that earlier David, right? When we were looking at that, we're like, hang on, is he is he lying? Is he being deceptive, right? But mm-hmm. I, I think you're totally spot on. David was giving this guy an out. He was giving him plausible yeah. deniability. He was he was giving him a like because I mean because that's what he says. Because in all honesty, right? He's he's mm-hmm. pulled before, right? He's so he so he's he's uh you know summoned before the king here. Um, and then, so, so that's in verse 11, right? And now it's like, okay, son of Ahitub. And, and like, he, and he says in all, you know, uh, re- respect and modesty, you know, here I am, my Lord, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and then, you know, he asks him this question and Ahimelech, I mean, what's he say? He's like, well, well, hang on a second. Like, what do you mean conspire with David? I thought David was your loyal servant. That's what he told me, right? Like he was like your yeah. most trusted guy that you would entrust with secret missions and stuff. Um, yeah. and, and so, I mean, so he's like, he's like saying all this, like, I had no idea and he's being honest. Right. So like, so David's discretion was, I mean, really done out of, out of love to, mm-hmm. to help him. I mean, to like, to, to give him a chance and yet, and yet, right. You know, here it is. You shall surely die, Ahimelech. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, just what he said to his son, um, several chapters ago. So his loyalty, his courage, his honesty is rewarded with martyrdom. And, yeah. I mean, that's a sobering, dark place to be. But, you know, that's for the, how many servants of the Lord around the world today are uh, truthful and honest about their witness and testimony to the Lord, even up to this point where they answer to those of the authority and are, and are killed, but are witnesses because of what they believe. Yeah, that that's also a really I, I like that kind of like thinking of this in, in light of martyrdom, and mm-hmm. um, well, I mean, and too, right? I mean, and I actually, I think Ahimelech um, is a Christ figure in this moment in a big way too. Mm-hmm. We, we mentioned this last time that um, I mean, it, it means uh, the the king referring the, to like yeah. Yahweh, the king, is my kinsman. Um, like that relationship there. I mean, certainly someone who has the, the title son of God could have said the exact same thing about himself. Um, you know, like he's, yeah, he's related to me. <laughs> I'm in his family. <laughs> um, and here he is, you know, being drawn before the king and he answers with honesty and the Lord Jesus did the same thing. He answered, uh, you know, he answered some of the questions, honestly, other questions he just didn't answer, but for his integrity, he was rewarded with death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, this, uh, and it's such a tragic scene. And then it, I, the, the verses at the very end here just break your heart, I think, you know, where David takes responsibility for it. Well, yeah, and, and, I, and I think that this gets back to your comment, too, right? Like that David, you know, perha- it, may, it really may have been that when he went to Nob, he thought to himself, you know, anywhere I go, I mean, is a place that could really be put in danger because of Saul, right? And in that mm-hmm. light, it kind of makes sense about why he would go to Gath or to Moab, right? Because he's thinking to himself, right. Saul was already going to, you know, <laughs> like, you know, attack the Philistines and the Moabites, right? So, like, I'm not really putting them in extra danger. Um, but, you know, he he does go to Nob, and you wonder if, if he's looking back on that with shame and regret now. And he's saying, I, I shouldn't have gone to Nob. I, I, I put them in, in harm's way. Um, I mean, re- regardless of exactly the nature of what— mm-hmm he's going through there, he definitely feels an obligation to keep Abiathar safe as the last survivor of Nob. 
there's such honesty or honor, I want to say, honor and integrity with uh, with what David says and it, it, the, the way he takes responsibility. You know, the buck stops here. Yeah. Uh, those those, you know, the things that happened were the result of my action. Um, and uh, and he it's it's heart wrenching because he probably didn't mean for, he obviously didn't mean for that to happen uh, and was probably trying to prevent that. But still, um, you know, there, there's there's such evil in these times and such brutality. Uh, and, and here's the other thing, too, to contrast, you know, the, the honor and integrity and David taking people under his wing at the beginning and at the end of this chapter is the fact that Saul uh, does the Holocaust. He doesn't leave any trace of, of the family. He puts everyone to the sword. That's what he failed to do <laughs> earlier in this in this yeah. book. Uh, he did yeah. he did not do that, uh, and that's one of the reasons why uh, he lost the kingship. You know, he disobeyed God. Uh, he didn't he didn't do do away with Agog and his people. Yeah. Uh, and that and historically that comes back to bite the Israelites further yeah. on in the future. Um, but yeah, yeah. So, but but his own people, he puts to the sword. He he, he puts them to the ban. He wipes them out. You no, know, it's it's a it's a terrible contrast. And mm. and uh, on the other hand, I mean, it really just shows just how beautiful the words of David are. I, I mean, it, the, lang- the language is is so is so simple. I mean, and, and the Hebrew is just like beautiful too. He just says, "Shivai the." Altira, you know, just just come stay with me, like you know, like you know, be you can you can come here, don't be afraid. I mean, it's just it's the, it's the simplest way you can put it, you know, like I like I've got you, and then that language is just you know, come stay with me. I, I mean, th- there I think is is a you know an, another another Christological moment where where David really is starting like more and more just to to fill into this Messiah role. You know, because that's what the Messiah says, and and to think of the Messiah mm. saying, you know, for he who seeks my life seeks your life. I, I mean, that that's potent stuff right there, right? Because that's that's the logic. You know, we're we're taken under the wing of the Messiah. The Messiah says, well, you know, if, if they want you, they're going to have to take me. And, and we have, you know, death and the devil, uh, and, and all the, the the forces of evil that say, yeah, we, we demand we demand your life to you know saying this to us. And the Messiah says, "Well, mm-hmm. hey, I'm protecting him, so you'll have to take me instead." I mean, I mean, it's very, it's very much like what happens um, with with uh, with Lewis, C.S. Lewis, um, in the Chronicles of Narnia with uh, Aslan, right? Hmm. That that you know he the, the lion offers himself, you know, the, the the white witch says, "Hey, I have a claim on on uh, Edmund." If I'm remembering all these characters right, I've got a claim yeah. on Edmund, yeah. right? Like he 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 did this, you know. We we have a we have a covenant basically, and you can't break that. And you know, Aslan doesn't say like, "Well, you know." you know, to heck with you and I'm just going to eat you now. He says, no, you're right. Uh, so just take me. And, and it's just, it's the craziness. The line just lets himself be slaughtered because of the promise he made for the sinner. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that image. Uh, the, the connection there because of the old magic, the deep magic, then yeah. death worked backwards. But then those children were very much under the protection. And I think that the, the idea of protection, you know, hide you under the shadow of my wings. Yeah. How many Psalms does David have? My goodness, where he oh, yeah. talks about the divine protection that he has, and here he is extending it over Abathar. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's beautiful. I mean, and it's, uh, he can only extend it over um, Abiathar uh, here because, I mean, it's extended yeah. to him. I mean, I mean uh, because God has 
has shown him the same thing um, and continues to show him the same thing as we see, like you were saying, uh, throughout throughout the Psalms. Um, I, I do want to like ask like a few questions here. These are just the things that I'm wondering about now. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're talking about you know this exchange between David and uh, Abiathar, and, and David says. Um, you know, I knew on that day when Doeg the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul, what, what's he getting at? And, uh, I, I mean, and, and really like, like who, who is this shade? You just picture like Doeg with like horns coming out of his head and like, just kind of like <laughs> right. grinning in the shadow or something. Um, it's, it says earlier that, okay, he's an, he's an Edomite and it says, what, what's his position? He's like, uh, what is it? He's like chief shepherd guy. Um, where was that? Okay, so Doag here. Well, he's like the he's oh, the yeah, executioner he, when no one else wants to be the executioner. Uh, right. So his name yeah, is Doag he, the he Edomite. Is a shepherd. Yeah. So, yeah. He chief of Saul herd, herdsmen. So, so what is what yeah. does that mean? Who is this guy, and why was David suspicious of him? And all, all the rest of this. I really don't know why David would be suspicious of him, other than he's in the household of Saul, and maybe the two had met before. Um, yeah, as David was was also in the household and and married to uh, Micah and and that sort of thing. But um, we're just just the two of them obviously saw each other uh, in the house of Ahimelech, and I think there's a lot that's left to my our imagination. At least it's left to my imagination. But maybe you've got a fact or two I don't have in front of me. Oh, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I think I'm kind of imagining <laughs> things like you are. I mean, yeah, like, it's yeah. it's I, fun to do. <laughs> no, no, yeah. I mean, it's well. I mean, and like I, I always say, you know, it's like you, you either you know deliberately try to fill in the blanks, or like your subconscious does does it for you, right? So I mean, yeah. it, it, it's good. I, I'm to, always careful of Bible class. I always say, okay, this is what's in the Bible, and this is right. Pastor Jago speculating and having fun. That's right. That's that's, that's yeah. right. That's right. But no, it, it, it is it is it is good to do. I mean, like I think that. Uh, you know, chief of Saul's herdsmen. I mean, I think that one thing we ought to consider is that it's like it's like a, how we've seen an armor bearer. How like it doesn't literally just mean like this is a dude who just like carries around like suits of armor, right? And Saul needs twenty of them because he's just got that much armor. Like I mean, it's kind of like a squire, right? Mm -hmm. Like 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 some kind of like you know, assistant, you know, who might actually like help with like in battle too. Actually, that's almost certain. Um, but so similarly here, like, you know, chief of Saul's herdsmen, I mean, that might not necessarily mean he's like, I don't know, like the, the chief shepherd or like the, the chief cowboy or something. I mean, it just, mm -hmm. it just might mean that he's an officer who has charge over the herdsmen, which I mean, actually for that matter might account somewhat for why this Doag guy is moving around. Right, because mm -hmm. I mean, if the herds are kind of like pasturing in one place or the next, and they're moving around, you know, maybe in that way, Doeg actually kind of functions as something of a of a spy. I mean, people have made this connection with mm -hmm. uh, Joseph and Jacob, right? That he would right. kind of be the go between moving around places, and so he's always being asked by his father to kind of give him the update, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah, may, maybe maybe something like that. And as chief herdsman, he commands other people as well. I think that yeah. Yeah, that that's probably why that's right. he's probably not the only one striking down the what was it eighty five people who wear that's the linen right. ephod. So yeah. yeah, so he's got he's got eyes and ears, right? Yeah, you know, and, and that that's pretty significant too. Uh, eyes and ears. And he moving, wants to be around. in the king's favor. That much is clear from the text. Well, you know, and the thing about and I think this is uh, something that you see as a theme 
not even just in in the in the scriptures, but kind of, uh, and lots of stories, right? When when you've mm-hmm. got the guy who's kind of like you know people are like oh, I don't know about him, right? They might be kind of extra willing to bend the rules or just flat out break the codes of conduct and, and morality in order to gain that favor that they're craving, right? I mean, mm-hmm. like which goes, I mean, it really goes all the way back to. You know, I'm thinking of uh, you know Genesis, right? Like I'm I'm thinking about uh, you know the, the sons of of Adam and Eve. I mean, because like what what happened there, right? You had you had one who was in God's favor, the other one really wanted that favor and was willing to kill for it, right? I yeah. mean, so I I think that idea that he is the Edomite who he wants this favor, uh, you know, this it goes back to the Jacob and Esau kind of thing, um, which is perhaps foreshadowed actually in Genesis, um, mm-hmm. and, and it's that kind of same motif of willing to do terrible, terrible things just to get back into good graces. Well, I've got a, a more positive note, if you, uh, if you wouldn't mind a yes, please, yes, connection please. here at the end. Uh, but in this chapter, did you notice that we have a prophet, we have a priest, yes. and we have the future king? Um, yeah. So I, I, I couldn't help but, my, my brain couldn't help but see, okay, David compassionately takes the priest, and now the priesthood, the last survivor of the priesthood, is in the house of David, along with these, this prophet and probably other prophets, too. It reminds me of a prophet, priest, and king who came in the line of David. And isn't it interesting, at the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, we begin with a priest. We begin with Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, who sings, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. He has visited and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. Amen. Amen. I, yeah, I think it's, it's, <laughs> it is just awesome, right? Like the, the yeah. poor, uh, the priesthood, the kingship, the, 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 the house and tradition of the prophets, right? It's all coming together in David. And again, with that compassion, stay with me. Don't be afraid. He who seeks my yeah. life seeks your life. Um, just beautiful stuff. Thank you so much, brother, for imagining with me and for uh, just bouncing <laughs> around these ideas and helping us unpack this stuff. Uh, it was, it was great, and looking forward to having you on again real soon. It was cool. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you, you too, brother. Everybody, Pastor Andrew Jago, Bethany Alexandria, Virginia, going on to Chapter 23. Till then, I'm Pastor A.G. Espinosa. You've been Peace. listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.